Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You know what that music means. The College Gridiron Show is back for its second season, its sophomore year, if you will. I'm Matt Costantini, back, joined by Jimmy Sullivan. We are missing our founder, Mirgori, dearly, but I'm sure he's going to be listening somewhere. And guys, we have a lot to get into. It is a busy season ahead of us. It's a busy weekend ahead of us. Yeah. A lot of giant games coming up. But first off, it's been a while. Jimmy, how was your summer? Oh, it was great. It was awesome. I mean, we haven't done this in about like four or five months. We, the last time we were doing this was like NFL Draft Talk. The last time I saw you, I think the Mets were actually good. Like that was a long time. That ago. seems like a long time. It ago was to me. so. Yeah, uh, great summer. Uh, keeping really busy, but I'm ready for college football. To start. Who isn't ready for college football? I know you were amped up for the for the little games last week. But, Damn right. <laughs> but but this week it is the main event, the main course. But I feel like we have to get down to a little. I, I don't want to say unflattering conversation because I don't know how much more unflattering it could be, but it's not a very happy topic to discuss. I think that we need to discuss Urban Meyer and the whole situation surrounding Ohio State. I know that I feel very strongly a certain way, as I'm sure everyone does. But, Jimmy, I'm going to throw it to you first. I want to hear your thoughts. So here's, here was my sort of first thought when I, when I heard about this. And this sort of started about a month ago around the media days when he got up there and said, you know, I didn't know about all this and who would fabricate such a thing. Urban Meyer wrote a book, and I don't remember exactly when, but it was a couple years ago. And I remember when I was in high school, I think it was the baseball team, they all had to read it. And I think it was called Above the Line. And one of the tenets of, you know, teamwork and living a successful lifestyle to him, especially, you know, with, with men, was respecting women. And to me... You can't say that you're about respecting women and go and do this. It's a massive double standard. And granted, he's not out there, you know, preachifying it like, you know, Charlie Strong or something where he's like literally hanging it up on the locker room. But you can't sit there and say, yeah, we have to respect women. We love women all this other thing. And then have something like this happen where you're covering an assistant coach as a favor to him where it's, I think, nine calls in, in a span of six years that they made to his house. And it's a Title IX thing, so he has to report it. And the other thought I had on this, too, was at Ohio State last week when they met to basically decide his fate, it felt like the entire time they were trying to find an excuse to keep him. Absolutely. And I think like that's, I think, a large part of why they stayed in there f so long. Because instead of going into the investigation like, Let's find out what the facts are. Let's go with the appropriate course of action. And then let's go from there. It was how can we keep this guy? And Ohio State is a, an institution which infamously suspended Jim Tressel for a bunch of games for the tattoos thing. And their president got up there and said, I hope the coach doesn't fire me. And I think it's sort of the same thing here where the tail's wagging the dog. And there's not the accountability there where you have a series of very concerning incidents. Because, like, if it was one call, maybe. But you've got, like, nine, ten different separate police calls to this guy's house. It's not nothing. You have to report that, and he just didn't do it. So, for me, I think he should have lost his job, but they're going to keep him. And, as John Madden said, Winning's the best deodorant, and they're going to win this year because that team's loaded, and they're not going to miss him in the three games because he's going to be conducting practice. To me, it's a joke. It's absolutely a joke. It is a complete joke. The first thing where 
we all should have realized that this was not going to go the proper way was when Ohio State was going to self-investigate. Yes. And they they yeah. didn't bring any outside counsel in. They didn't bring the NCAA in. The NCAA wants to jump into every little thing it possibly can. Nine UNC football players were suspended a couple of weeks ago for selling shoes that they were given. That doesn't make any sense. And then you can just look through the history of college football and suspensions and firings and just see that this doesn't line up, especially in the realm of head coaches, especially prominent head coaches, covering up these kinds of things. I know this is going to catch a lot of flack from a lot of people, but Art Bryles, cover-up, fired. Joe Paterno, cover-up, basically fired, forced into retirement. Um, but then you get into other things. Jim Tressel, Tattoo Gate, suspended, later forced out, essentially a firing a year later. Um, it's just so inconsistent. And then you look at the way the NCAA and schools treat their players there is such a double standard and a almost a different moral code for these people that are involved. Um, Urban Meyer absolutely should have lost his job, and I don't see... Obviously, it is different from Art Bryles and Joe Paterno based on the levels of atrocities being committed, but it's on that same playing field where he deserves to lose his job over something like this. As a man as powerful as Urban Meyer is in the college football world, there is no way that he can go on stage and convince people that he had no idea what was going on. That man knows everything about his program, everything about every single person involved in his program. And even if he doesn't, he's supposed to. Exactly. It is his job to know when something like this is happening. He needs to be on top of a program, run a tip-top shape football team, so that these things don't happen people can hate it as much as they want. They can hate Nick Saban as much as they want. He has run a very clean program for mostly his entire coaching career. Uh, same thing with a um, Clemson, Dabba Sweeney. Dabba Sweeney yeah. runs a completely clean program. You never hear anything about his players. You never hear anything about his coaching staff. You never hear anything about him. So to me, I'm just disappointed in the way that this has all gone and... I think that Urban Meyer should have been much more apologetic in his press conference because he seemed very cold and callous to the to the victim, going as far as to having to come out the next day and apologize directly to her for his comments. It just rubs me the the wrong way with the entire thing. And I'll just say this, and then we can move on, or you can add anything else. I sort of feel the same way about Ohio State as I feel about the Maryland thing with DJ Durkin. He should have lost his job, too. That's yeah, a different story. I think he ultimately will because they seem much more committed to like actually doing it the right way. But ultimately, both of those people erred in that you are responsible for the well-being of your players, whether they're paid, whether they're not paid, whether they're walk-ons, scholarships, whatever. You are responsible for the well-being of your players. And having a guy who treated his wife like he did does not help the well-being of your players, much as uh, with Maryland, where you had a strength and conditioning coach who was absolutely out of his mind, and a guy wound up dying because he pushed everybody to the wall. It's sort of the same thing. And the other thought I'll have to finish my piece on this is that it's a bad spot when the NCAA isn't paying its players, and yet they're being held to a higher standard than the adults. Absolutely. 
and my my last take on this in this generation we're living of the me too movement women getting much more respect that they have been getting and that they rightfully deserve ohio state's actions have proven that not only are they not respecting this movement and women in general but i'm afraid that they're willing to set back this entire movement generations it's yeah it's a very regressive move i think to keep him but uh we got some work to do let's let's move on to happier times happier times and an exciting college football season that's ahead of us a lot of a lot of good teams this season um we can run through a top their top 10 real quickly the ap top 25 no surprise alabama at number one clemson at number two that's a shock i feel like everyone expected that yeah Georgia at number three, obviously national title runner-up. Makes sense. Wisconsin, I'm pretty thrilled. I'm sure you are. Uh, I was too. I was very surprised because I wasn't expecting to see them ahead of Ohio State. Because Ohio State, despite all this, is loaded. And I wake up and it's like, wait, they think Wisconsin's a playoff team. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm also not sure who gave them a first-place vote. But I want to find out. But good for them. I- I'm, I'm going to find that out before the end of this show. Um. Ohio State, as we mentioned, at the number five spot, followed up by Washington, Oklahoma, with brand new Oakland Athletic, Kyler Murray leading them at quarterback. That man is getting dough. Yeah, he is going to be set up very well in his future. Um, We wish him the best in his baseball career, but he has a pretty good uh, shot to lead the Sooners to a playoff spot. Um, And then the top ten rounds out with University of Miami, Auburn, and Penn State minus new New York giant Saquon Barkley. So outside of, let's say, the top five, what what kind of surprised you in, in this initial ranking? So there were, there were a couple surprises, um, not too much maybe in the top ten. I thought USC would be higher than 15. I mean, we talked about that before the show. People seem really enamored with JT Daniels as a starting quarterback, and I'm not saying that they're going to be one of the best teams in the country this year. I just thought for the preseason – I thought that they would be higher. Uh, And then the other thing, too, is LSU is only at 25, behind Texas and Oregon. And this is a team that has more of a track record, I think, in the last few years than those two teams. Not saying they're great, and I think LSU a couple years ago made the wrong move in keeping Ed Orgeron. But I I was also surprised that, like, they were only at 25. And basically, if they lose to Miami this weekend, they're unranked. And Absolutely. I was I was a little surprised to see that. I know that those, those are probably slightly deeper cuts. Uh, UCF I thought maybe a little higher than twenty one, but I didn't have a lot of an issue with that. Uh, and then everything else, honestly, was kind of what I thought it would be. Uh, not not a ton of surprises here, uh, but I need to find out who voted for Wisconsin at number one <laughs> because that's that person is. I want to like take them out to dinner because that's incredible. Um, to your UCF point, I think where they're ranked is fair. Considering they came out of nowhere last season, that perfect season, I I kind of got a little worn out by the whole the true national oh, champion too. thing. Yeah. I mean, they had a good season. Congratulations to them. But I'm surprised that they may not have fallen a little bit further, losing Scott Frost to Nebraska, who, sure. I, who I thought may have been a little higher up than where they were. I don't think they received any top 25 votes, which is a little surprising, but not too much. Um, Florida State at 19 is kind of surprising to me, I guess. Um, they recently announced that they're going back with DeAndre Francois, their starting quarterback. Um, 
Justin Blackman didn't really do very well last year. Not his fault. That offensive line was horrendous. And they didn't really do much to improve it. I'm not sure how their spring battles went. I'm not sure how how they're preparing to line up this season. And I don't think they recruited very heavily on the offensive line either. So I guess they're just hoping for progression from their starters from last year. Um, and, and Willie Taggart taking over too. Yes. They lose Jimbo Fisher. Exactly, That's a big loss. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M, not anywhere to be found. Uh, only 21 votes for a top 25 spot, and I thought Jimbo Fisher was going to propel them into the top 25 on his own. But I think West Virginia is going to be the biggest mover, and I think as listeners of the show will find out throughout the season, I am 100% on board the Will Greer train. Really? I think that yeah. he is very good. Um, you I think kn- he's the number one quarterback like in the country? I don't know. I think that's... It's going to depend on how things play out this season. I li- I'm big on Shea Patterson. I think Michigan getting him was huge for this coming season because they didn't really have a good option at quarterback last year, and now I think they have a definitive number one starter. Um, but yeah, it's for me, I think it's between Patterson and Greer. Interesting. And I think I think right now Greer might be my Heisman frontrunner, even though Bryce Love and Jonathan Taylor are really good. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see after this weekend and how things get off to a nice start. But I think the most interesting thing about going into this weekend, and I guess we can start talking about this weekend's games, and even though it might not be a huge game, I'm really interested in this Alabama-Louisville game because, what's today, Tuesday? Yeah. They play Saturday night. And they don't have a starting quarterback yet. They have not decided who's going to be starting between uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua Tav- Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Thank yeah. you, Jimmy. I'm going to get it eventually, especially if he's the starting quarterback, because I'm sure we're going to be talking about him a lot. For right now, we're just going to call him Tua, because that's who he is to us. He's He is essentially the reason they beat Georgia in the national championship game, Carried because him. Jalen Hurts was rather ineffective. But how can you go against the guy who got you to back-to-back national championship games and back-to-back college football playoffs? I don't, I don't know what they're going to do there. That's the thing. See, my thought is that they actually did all that in spite of him. Like they in the in the Clemson game in the playoff last year wasn't very good, but their defense was amazing. They won twenty-four to six. The national championship game, they go into halftime down thirteen nothing. He threw, I think, three of eight for like 20-something yards. It, basically, they were running a wildcat offense. And I think, for me, you got to go with the guy who's better. And that's Tagovailoa. And yes, he's going to make mistakes. And maybe the defensive numbers wind up a little worse because he's turning the ball over and throwing it in tight coverage. But holy cow, that offense, if, if he can hit some of those deep balls, that's a whole new dimension that they didn't even have last year. So there's some questions for them. I think they're going to wind up going with Tagovailoa because Jalen Hurts does not seem happy at all with like, I, how the, all this has been handled. I agree with you. I think that they're going to go with Tua. I think that he's going to open up their offense a whole lot more than it has been in these past two years. Because let's face it, Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback. He's a, let's call him a less refined Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had the ability to throw, but... He was obviously much better in his mobile game, in his scramble. And that was what Jalen Hurts could do. He was good at those read options, but he just couldn't really throw the ball to save his life. And we saw in the very brief time we saw him in the national championship game, Tua had that deep ball on him. And granted, we're not really sure what this offense is going to look like, minus Calvin Ridley, who wasn't very good last year either. His numbers were down compared to what we've seen from him. 
but he was still a giant piece of that offense. And it'll be interesting what's what's going to go on there. I don't think anyone's worried about no. Alabama. I think everyone is going to expect them to go 12-0, and how many ever games they actually play this season, make the playoff, and is a favorite for the national championship. Yeah, they're right up there. So, outside of that, let's get into other games this weekend. Jimmy, for you, what is the most... Much see must watch game for me. It's Washington Auburn, and that's an afternoon game on Saturday. But you've got Washington, who is the favorite in the Pac-12. You have Auburn, who's a little bit of a sleeper in the SEC, but they bring back Jared Stidham. We were talking about the best quarterbacks in the country before. Nobody talks about Jared Stidham, and he, I think, he's top five. And that's going to be a really good game. Washington's defense, I think, is still really good despite losing Vitavea. And they also lost, well, they're, they're bringing back Browning and Gaskin. Question mark for Washington is that Jake Browning struggled last year without John Ross. Can he sort of get some of 2016 back where he was effective throwing it down the field? And that's another it, guy yeah. no one talks about anymore, Jake Browning. Yeah, oh, by the way, People yeah. were expecting him to come out of college two years ago. And, well, maybe not come out of college, but he was ranked just consistently as a top two, top three quarterback. Oh, he was very solid. And, like, 2016... People don't realize he was really good. Oh yeah, really good. I mean, leading them to the playoff, like people sort of ragged on Washington because they didn't play a lot of teams, but he was he had a really good year. And Washington's playing the teams this year, and I think honestly, I think if the Huskies win that game, I think they're running the table. I really do. Really? Because yeah, they've got. If you look at their schedule, they've got um, Stanford and USC both at home. Ooh, so and that's that's big. Seattle's a big home field that's advantage. Big, yeah. yeah. So I, I see shades of 2016 with this team, but. If I'm going to commit, I need to see a little bit more out of uh, Jake Browning. Absolutely. Um, Auburn is obviously going to miss Carrion Johnson. He was a workhorse for them last year, and he was a large part of the reason they made a lot of noise last year, um, eventually losing to UCF in that Peach Bowl. But Johnson was not healthy at all. He had been banged up since probably the Alabama game, honestly. And... I think Auburn might be able to challenge in the SEC, but again, I just think Alabama's going to smack them down like like we expect them to. And Georgia's there, too. And Georgia's there, yeah. The SEC, once again, is stacked. Everyone's expecting it, but no one knows what's going to happen. For me, I think the biggest game is the return of Michigan-Notre Dame. I'm looking forward to that, too. It's been a couple years since we've seen it, and... There's a lot of questions for this Irish team coming into the season. They just, I, I think it was today that Brian Kelly reiterated um, Brandon Wimbush, yes. starting quarterback for the season. Um, that's not very surprising. He showed some flashes last season of what he has the potential to be, but he just needs to be much more consistent to hold off the competitors to his job. But this has got to be Michigan's year. If it's not this year, it's never. I think that this is Jim Harbaugh's last year. Really? If he does not accomplish anything this year, I don't think that his job is safe, even though I I might be in the minority thinking that. And it might not even be that his job's not safe at Michigan. I think he might jump ship to the NFL, as I thought he was going to do last season. That never materialized, but that's definitely an opportunity for him. I think... The issue with Michigan is going to be the lack of playmakers they have on offense other than Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson, I think, is going to have a really good year. And that defense, one of the best in the country. But I also believe that 
you know, you lose, you don't have a lot of great receivers. Uh, they lost somebody for the year. I forget, I forget who it was. I think it was Evans, I want to say, for the year. I don't remember, but I'll have to look into that. But they're already down. And honestly, I'm going to give you maybe a bold pick. I think Notre Dame's going to get them on Saturday. I think Notre Dame's going to win. I also think they yeah. are. It's it's a it's a huge rivalry game. They're at home. Notre Dame likes the big lights playing playing these big teams. But if you look at what Michigan has accomplished under Jim Harbaugh, it's not much. Haven't beaten Ohio State, haven't had a Big 10 title, haven't made a college football playoff appearance, haven't made a national championship appearance. Everyone's expecting Jim Harbaugh to come in and turn this program around which granted he has done because Michigan was kind of in this obscure zone after Rich Rodriguez and after Brady Hogue. Brady yeah. Hogue, exactly. He's brought them back to relevance. That is his best accomplishment right now. And for a guy that we know can do much more, it's a little disappointing. It is, absolutely. I mean, and part of it was injuries last year too, but like you were talking about his record, never beat Ohio State. Beat Michigan State once. He's lost to them two out of three times. That's not great. And they split against Wisconsin the two times he's played them. He's beaten Penn State, I think, once, twice. He's beaten Penn State twice, but still. When it comes late in the season, they just haven't been getting it done. And when it's all said and done, people are still going to look at that. And until they beat Ohio State, and until they go beat Michigan State, and they, they're going to have every opportunity this year. They've got Penn State and Wisconsin both at home. So those are must-win games. You have to win both of those, I think. And you got to go beat Michigan State, beat Ohio State, especially if they lose this weekend. I just, I don't see it with Michigan this year. I just I, don't. I don't either. And and I love Shea Patterson. I really want to think that he's going to be in the Heisman discussion. But that team, I I've got him again. I've got him at like eight and four, nine and three. I just, yeah. I'm not feeling it. I think they are easily the what the fourth, fifth best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, no, the Big at, Ten's at least, stacked. At least the, the, at least the rankings say that right now, but I think at the end of the season, it's still going to be that. Yeah. They're leagues behind Ohio State. They are behind Penn State. I still think, because I think Trace McSorley's a baller, I think that dude's going to get it done, minus Saquon Barkley, minus Antonio Callaway. Antonio Callaway played for Florida, excuse me. It's another wide receiver yeah. that they lost in this year's draft who was a big playmaker for them. But I think Trace McSorley has one of the biggest hearts in college football. He has such a gamer attitude, and he goes into every game thinking that he can win. And as history has shown, he has almost done that, won almost every game. Um, I'm going to put it out there right now. I think McSorley's going to win the Heisman. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I'm getting bold already. Ooh, that's a bold choice already <laughs> there, leaving your boy Taylor in the dust, huh? Yeah, well, I think Taylor will be top five. But I just think the quarterback bias, I mean, and McSorley, I think he's going to ball out. Of course, the quarterback yeah. bias. So to end our show today, I think that we got to do something a little bit fun and jump ahead to the end of the season and talk about who we think is going to be in the college football playoff. Jimmy, what do you have? Uh, this is going to be a stunner. You're not going to believe who I have at one and two. I've got Clemson in one, Alabama at two. Clemson at one. Yeah, I do. I think Clemson's a tick better, and that front four is the best I've ever seen. Is that is that them both going undefeated, or does that's a good or question? Does Alabama <laughs> drop a game. Um, hmm. I'm gonna say that Alabama somewhere in there drops a game, okay. only because somebody's gonna get them on a bad week. And okay, you, that's fair. You figure. Yeah, but I think Clemson that front four is 
unbelievable. We all know how much I love Clemson's front four. Yeah, it's incredible. From last season. They've got either they're going to play a better Kelly Bryant or Sunshine on the bench, Trevor Lawrence. Ooh, that was I'm, I'm remiss if we don't talk about that at least a little bit, but I thought that was a little surprising. Yeah, just a little because I don't know. But I think Clemson at one, Bama at two. I firmly believe in Washington at three. I think they're going to run the table. They don't really have a lot on their schedule, so I have them at three because I think one loss Alabama is probably still better than undefeated Washington. It's a lot like two years ago. And at four, and this is my sleeper, I have talked myself into Michigan State. And they are returning, I think, 20 out of 22 starters, so that's huge. Their schedule is incredible. Michigan and Ohio State, both at home. They miss Wisconsin entirely. That's a lucky break for them. Their toughest games are, they play Notre Dame again this year, right? I believe so. Yeah, they've got Notre Dame at Notre Dame, and they've got Penn State. They win one of those, I think they're 11-1. and And I think Lewerke's good enough, and I think LJ Scott's going to have a big bounce back year. So that's my four. Uh, Georgia, I think, is going to be in the discussion for it as well. I think Oklahoma is another team that's really good. Uh, who else do I have here? I think Stanford's going to surprise some people. I think they're going to be really good, too. But, yeah, those are sort of my honorable mentions, but that's my four. I think the only safe pick so far for this top four is Clemson because the SEC, again, not the SEC, the ACC, again, is bad. Um, they have Miami ranked high. I don't believe in Miami. I think that last year was an apparition for them. That whole turnover chain was fun while it lasted, but they got exposed by better teams. Um, Virginia not, Tech is pretty good, but yeah, Virginia Tech's okay. Yeah. Florida State, we'll see what happens with them because they have the pedigree behind them, but recent history hasn't shown much. So I'm with you that Clemson should be number one come the end of the season. They should be an undefeated one seed. Um, but then the rest of this top four gets really interesting because there are a lot of teams that are going to try and feast on each other. Sure. Um. We might have another situation last year. We have Alabama-Georgia in an SEC championship game, which could determine who makes it. I don't see the committee doing it again this year, having two SEC teams, an ACC team, and another Power 5 team. I just don't think that's how it can go again, even though it might. It, it might. I also don't see there being two one-loss teams in the no, SEC. No, absolutely not. Don't. No. Um, and then in the Big Ten, you have Wisconsin-Ohio State. Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, they're all going to feast on each other at some point through the season, especially coming down to championship weekend. And then the SEC is, eh, not the SEC, again, it's on my mind. It's the Pac-12. So-so. So-so. They have a handful of good teams who are going to play each other at some point. Again, championship weekend is going to be a big factor. So I think that right now my top four is going to be Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and give me Ohio State, even okay. though I really want them to lose every game. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the only way it can be right now, especially in the beginning of the season. Yeah. I think, yeah, I I agree with you on Ohio State, but that was those were good picks. I, I can't go against that. I just think, one, too many distractions with Ohio State, and two, Kyler Murray is not Baker Mayfield. <laughs> That's the only difference. Well, Oklahoma is certainly going to have to hope that he is. And, guys, that is it for this week. We are out of time. Hoping this gets you prepared to enjoy a long, long weekend of good college basketball games. And 
I got to say, I'm very excited to be back. Jimmy, I know oh, you great. are. This has been a lot of fun. We're in for a great season. Come back next time for the College Gridiron Show. Thank you very much.